I really have. I can't. I don't know what kind of time you've had, but I've had a good time. I can tell you, I just have. And the Bland family. How about them? They are pretty much a blessing, don't you think? Every one of them. Oh, come on! You can do better than that. Thank you so much, guys. We just ministering to us in music and in song, and uh, just to see how how you, not only how you love to sing, but how you love to be together too as a family. Is that's a big part of the testimony and witness. And you're starting the small ones right on from the beginning. And what a blessing that is. That's, that's wonderful. That really is. My wife, Cindy's here with us tonight. Um, and so I'm so excited and grateful for that. She is always a blessing and a partner in the work of God's kingdom. 41 years ago, 41 years ago, uh, this year, the Lord called us into the ministry. And uh, we packed up everything we had on the back of two pickup trucks and headed to... The big city, y'all not going to know where this is, but Rocky Ford, Georgia, and Scriven County. Nobody, anybody know where Rocky Ford is at? Oh, come on. Well, y'all took me back there just a little bit tonight during the meal because somebody, uh, who fixed the cream corn? Now, be honest about it. Oh, my Lord. Yes. I'm telling you, if, if there's no cream corn in heaven, I'm going to be disappointed. I'm going to tell you right now. <laughs> That was Silver Queen and uh, Golden Queen corn is when it's cream. I mean, that's, that's the uh, food of angels, don't you think? That was a blessing. It really was. So we went to Rocky Ford, Georgia, and now 41 years later, we're still going all over wherever God calls us to go. And come June, we'll go back on the mission field full time after having served at Idaho for nine years. And so it's a blessing to be a part of what God's doing in the world. And the Lord is at work in the world. He really, really is. And I'm so thankful and grateful to God for that. And uh, Cindy and I were just in India um, just a few weeks ago. And uh, I'm going to say something about that in a minute. But before I do, I want to say to your pastor how grateful I am for him inviting me to be a part of these series of services. Um, He's a very special man. He really is. Not only because he's a friend of mine, but you have all all seen his heart, those of you who are here, and you know what kind of love he has for, for Christ and a love for the church. And I'm, I'm saying this to you because I travel to a lot of places, and you are fortunate to have a man of God like this. Uh, and I know he feels fortunate to have a congregation like this because I met many of you. We stood out in the parking lot, and he kept me here late last night. Yes, you did. Just talking about... T- <laughs> Okay. <laughs> now he was preaching to me the whole time, man. I kept saying, good Lord, it's time to go. Give the altar call, Jim, and let's go home or do something here. I'll get saved again if you want me to. Just let, just let me go to Savannah, please. But he loves you. I mean, he really, really loves you. As, and uh, he and Amanda are, are just at home here. And, and I met so many of you and talked to you. And, I, and we pray together back in the prayer room. This is a very special place, and I felt the presence of God when I came here uh, on the first night. I could just feel God's presence here when I came into the sanctuary, and I'm so thankful uh, to be a part of these services. And as Jim said, the services themselves may end, but what God wants to do in His people uh, is to continue the work of the Spirit of God, not to end when we say amen tonight or when we close the service. This is just the beginning of what God wants to do. 
And it's churches like this that I believe that God really is going to do a, a tremendous work in over the next number of years to bring revival to our nation because we need revival. I don't know that we can survive honest to God. I, I mean, you've heard that from preachers for a long time, but the course that we're on now, I just don't know if we can survive without revival. Honestly, I don't. And so I'm, I know it's churches like this that will make an impact and a difference in the coming uh, years. And so I'm thankful to God for that. I borrowed my wife's glasses, and these are, the, she, she came tonight, she busted out a pair, really, how about those, huh? Yes. They are stylish. <laughs> they are stylish. <clears throat> want to read a passage of scripture from Ephesians chapter 3, one that's familiar to most of us who've been around the church any length of time. Thank you all for hanging in there with me at night. I, last night, I didn't want to leave. I mean, and some of the, some of, some of the people who were here didn't want to leave. We just kind of hung around and enjoyed the presence of the Lord. You know, there's, uh, on Easter Sunday morning, um, if you read the scripture about the resurrection, it says that uh, Peter and John... And uh, Mary Magdalene were there at the tomb with Jesus. And they left. But it says that, that Mary lingered. And because she lingered, she encountered Jesus in such a profound way. You know, those who wait upon the Lord is what the Scripture says. So I know we're in a hurry and I know we've got a lot of things to do. But if you're willing to let God speak to us tonight, I think that the Lord may have something to say. And he confirmed it through one of the songs that these brothers and sisters sang just a minute ago. So um, I want to read from Ephesians chapter 3. You know what? Why don't we stand out of reverence for this part of God's Word? Would you stand with me? Ephesians three fourteen through 21. This is the Apostle Paul speaking. From a prison cell. So he's confined into an area that's very small in diameter. And yet he has the capacity to see the great vistas of God's kingdom from such a confined quarters for one reason because he bowed his knees. For this reason, I need before the Father from whom the whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. And I pray, thank God for people who pray. I pray that out of His glorious riches that He may strengthen you with power through His Spirit in your innermost being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all of the saints to grasp just how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge and that you, listen to this, if this is not a prayer, that you may be filled to the fullest measure of all the fullness of God. Think about that. When's the last time you prayed that for your children or your pastor or your spouse? That they would be filled to the fullest measure of God. Now that's a prayer right there. 
Now, to Him who is able to do immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine, according to His power that is at work in us, to Him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. And all God's people said, Amen. Father, bless your word in this time together that tonight as we share, as we reflect and we think about what you desire for us as your people, that we may open our life up to you, to a fuller measure of your presence, Lord God. And if we have not received everything that you want to give us tonight, help us just to be willing to say, I'm willing, God, for you to do more in me. And for that, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. A.W. Tozer, the great writer and servant of God, one time said, whatever comes to mind when you think about God, is the most important thing about you. He also says that the greatest challenge confronting the church today is a low view of God. Because a low view of God, Tozer said, is the source of a thousand lesser evils. That's a pretty, a low view of God is the source of a thousand lesser evils. Because if I can't see God for who God is, then it's impossible for me to reach the place where I can understand that God is able to do beyond whatever I could think or imagine. Because our imagination and our thinking sometimes is so limited, even in our understanding or our concept of God. We sing about the greatness of God, and I'm not... I'm not taking away from that, but I think that the point that I'm making, and I think the point that Paul is making, is that sometimes our, our limited understanding and view of God is such that we cannot receive because uh, it requires faith on our part in order to receive. And faith is motivated many times by an awareness of the greatness and the glory and the grandeur of God. Faith does come by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. But any time we open up God's Word, it reveals to us a God who is infinite in creativity and in power, but is personally interested in everything that's going on in any one of our lives at any given moment. Because God is not only infinitely creative, but intimately concerned about everything that's going on in your life right now. Did you know that? That God is interested in whatever's going on in your life and in my life right now. Sometimes that's hard for people to get around their head. But I'm telling you, and I'm not just preaching, I'm talking the truth. God is personally interested in whatever's going on in your life at this moment. And this God that we're talking about tonight, as Paul reminds us, is so grand and glorious that, that nothing, as we mentioned last night, is impossible for Him. And I, I think I love having revival services because it moves us sometimes from a place of complacency to where we, we, we are exposed in the presence of God in worship like this multiple times 
to an awareness of the fact that God, who is so glorious and grand and, and great, really is interested in me, but also wants to do something in my life if I just open up to God. So the challenge for us tonight that's on the floor is to say to ourselves, I want God to do something more in my life. I do not think, and I'm, I'm speaking for myself, I can't speak for you, I do not think that I am filled to the fullest measure of God. I'm going to tell you that. Now that's Paul's prayer for the people that he's writing to in Ephesians, but I cannot say to you, any one of you, with all level of honesty, that I feel like I am filled to the fullest measure of God. I don't feel like that. I want to be, but sometimes it just takes a step on my part to open myself up a little bit more to something that God may want to do in my life at this particular time. And this great and grand and glorious God is willing to do that. C.S. Lewis, that great mind, that great mind who wrote the the, uh, Chronicles of Narnia, among so many other things, said that we are just too easily satisfied. We're too easily satisfied. And we as God's people, when we get to a place in our life where we are just satisfied with wherever I am in my relationship with the Lord, you know, God wants so much more for us than where we may be at any given moment. And I, I desire that. I want that. I really do. And, and sometimes I find myself just asking God to please forgive me for just being satisfied with where I am. I want to be like God's great servants over the course of history. I want to be as a deer pants for the streams of water. Lord, my soul longs for you in a dry and thirsty land. I want, I want more of God in my life. And when I say that, I realize what I'm actually saying is I want God to have more of me because that's really the key to it. It's not so much that, that God is withholding. It's just that I have sometimes need to make some space and some room in my life for God to come in to a fuller degree and measure. And so let's talk a little bit about this passage. And I'm not going to uh, hopefully labor long over this, but I want to be long enough for us to to get a vision and a, a glimpse of the glory of God tonight so that we can leave the place perhaps being touched. If we, if I believe in healing, seen it with my own eyes, received it in my own life. I've got a son-in-law who's walking around right now in Savannah, Georgia, who should be dead. I should have conducted his funeral because uh, 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 you don't have a boat motor run over you and, and cut you from one end to the other like this and lay you open in the river. And have to call in a, a life flight to haul you to um, the hospital and me walking in with my little pregnant daughter there. And the doctor comes out and says, we're not sure he's going to make it. But he did, by the grace of God. He made it. He made it. But that's just one illustration for me. I want to talk to you about the greatness of God tonight. So that maybe if we could get... It, as Tozer is challenging us to have an elevated view of God, then maybe we would not be so, not let all of the things that are going on in the world right now drown out that vision of the glory and majesty of God. Listen, Jesus is coming back and he is the glorious king and one day we're going to see him seated on the throne and we need to catch a glimpse of that now. That's the way that the early church got through the challenges that it went through. Read the book of Revelation because the glory of God, when we see his glory, 
then we're able to handle some of the challenges that we face. This is why Paul, in a little confined area, could kneel down and the vistas of God's majesty and glory would open up to him. That's why little David, the shepherd boy, could lay down in a field and look up into the heavens and say, the heavens declare the glory of God and creation is a display for his handiwork. And when I consider the moon, the stars, the work of your hands, who am I that you would be mindful of me, God? Yet you have made me just a little lower than the angels and crowned me with glory. I want that kind of vision of God. Because I know that if I can get that kind of vision of God, whatever Cindy and I may be wrestling with or dealing with or problem or issue or challenge, if I can see God in that way, then somehow my faith is elevated and lifted and I have the courage to take another step, maybe not three or four at that time, but if I can just catch a glimpse of the glory of God and who God is in all of His majesty, then like Paul says, I can make it through whatever it is that we're dealing with. I can do, in fact, all things. Through Christ, who gives me that strength. Right? He says God is able. Let me tell you, brother, listen, you sang about um, Buddha. Do you know that just three weeks ago, three weeks ago, Cindy and I were riding across North India in a van on our way to Bihar on the border of Nepal. And while we were going there to Bihar to preach and minister in a village uh, pastor's conference and preach the gospel, we went through Kushinagar in Uttar Pradesh. And Kushinagar in Uttar Pradesh is the burial site of Gatma Buddha. So as we were going through the city of Kushinagar, there in that place, I'm writing, I wrote, already wrote about it for the front of our, our April newsletter for um, Isle of Hope. Going through Kushinagar, there were people by the thousands that had gathered there to come to the burial site of Buddha. There's a big dome over the place where they cremated his body. It's called a supa. A supa. And a supa is just a dome over a sacred place in Buddhism. And I went there and I observed all of the people there. And I, I watched, and something stirred inside of me, the same kind of thing that you were singing about. Because I knew that in the end, I love some of the ethical teachings of Buddhism because it's pretty amazing. The lot of wisdom, some of the beautiful art, beautiful art and, and, uh, and writings and teachings. But I know that in the end, in the end, Underneath that supa are the ashes of a man who was very gifted and talented. But they're just there. I've also, with some of the ones in the room here tonight, Jim Morrow being one of them, went inside a little tomb there in the outskirts of the city, walled city of Jerusalem, and went into the tomb and on the way out, you can see a little sign hanging that says, He is not here, for He has risen, just like He said He would. We have a great God. A great God. And Paul says, we have a God who is able. It's one thing to have a God 
And we have to deal with this all the time when we travel to India because there are many gods there, many, many gods, millions of gods. And so having a God is not something that is unusual because we were created, the Bible says, with eternity in our heart, right? The uh, book of Ecclesiastes says that God has put eternity in our heart. So there is a longing in all of us for something beyond ourselves. That is just, I don't care where you go in this world, there is a desire and a longing in every human heart to connect with something beyond ourselves. Beyond ourselves. It doesn't matter where you go. We have gone to places and seen people trying to reach out to, to God in ways. Uh, we went to, uh, in, in, outside of Esquipulas, Guatemala, uh, went and preached the gospel. Debbie, you, well, you were there, weren't you? The woman is sitting in the congregation tonight was there with us. She traveled with us many times to Venezuela and to other places where we did ministry. We were underneath a place they had put up, a, they were building a big bus stop. It was at the, the juncture of Honduras, Mexico, and Guatemala, one of the roughest areas in the, in the, that you can imagine because people are trying to cross over the board and come in. So we preached the gospel out in the open air, but not far from there was a, 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 a place where people would worship, a pagans. They would get down on their knees and and crawl backwards around an altar like this, just hitting themselves. And I thought, everybody needs a God. But do we need a God who demands that out of us? Is that what God wants from us? And I've, we've crossed the Ganges, just crossed it again and a few weeks ago when we were in North India. And we've seen people go down into the Ganges River and, and scrub their skin until it bleeds, just trying to wash their sins away, just trying to get rid of the sins in their life. And if you don't feel compassion for people who are trying to connect with something beyond themselves, then there's something wrong with the church, because that's why we are here, to give witness and testimony of the fullness of the love of God that's demonstrated in Christ. And so when we see people who are wrestling with some understanding of a desire to connect with God, we ought to have compassion, even if they're looking in the wrong places. Even if they're looking in the wrong places. And by the way, that reminds me of a song, because I... Every time I put this on, I feel like Garth Brooks. But um, do I look like him? Cindy, do, okay, I'm sorry. There you go, that's right. <laughs> but Paul said, the God he's talking about is able. God is able. To do exceedingly abundantly beyond anything that we could ever ask or even imagine. So what has happened to the church over the course of time? Is it that we somehow have either have diminished our, our concept or view of God to make God more manageable? And therefore when we've done that, we have robbed ourselves. We haven't robbed God of any of His glory and majesty. I promise when we stand before God one day, every one of us, no matter who we are, no matter where we're from, 
The Bible says that every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. It's not a matter of anything being diminished in God. Sometimes for us as God's people, we lose something if we lose that great vision of this great and majestic God. And that was what the people were being threatened by with the knowledge and the, and the understanding that Paul had been in prison. And he, he had compassion and concern for the Ephesians as well as for us. That somehow we would just accept a view of God or a theology of God or an understanding of God that was so limited that we couldn't see that God has the capacity to do way beyond anything that we could ever think of or imagine. And God does. You know, over in Portof- outside of Portofino, Italy, there's a, uh, it's a port city. And some of you may have been there, I don't know. But submerged beneath the waters located there in the Mediterranean Sea between... Uh, Sinogil and, and uh, Portofino, there's a statue of Jesus. It's called the Christ of the Abyss. And Jesus has got his hands. Some uh, uh, sailors had this put beneath the waters there at the entrance of the harbor where they come in and go out so that the, the hands of Jesus are lifted up like this and his face is lifted up so they could feel the blessing as they travel over the waters. You could look through and see the statue of Jesus down below the surface of the water was, I think it was put there in 1954. Well, what happened is that they didn't anticipate is over the years or over time, barnacles would gather on the statue and to the point where you could hardly see or recognize some of the features. And so once a year, they would have to send divers down to clear off the barnacles so that people could see the face of Jesus. I'm afraid that sometimes we as God's church are 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 terrible at not reflecting the face of Jesus, but distorting it sometimes. Even sometimes maybe adding to the, 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 the confusion that people have. We have a great God, a glorious Savior, a King who is, loves us beyond measure and is willing to redeem even the worst among us and to, to bless us in such a way that, that He brings us life and the fullness of life. That's what He's promised us. Amen. And there is nothing too difficult for him. Nothing. And some of us who may have come in here tonight, you may be wrestling with or struggled with or have been dealing with something that has been pretty big and monumental or some challenge. It may be physical. It may be relational. It may be emotional. It may be spiritual. It may be financial. I don't know. But I've seen God do things that my mind or my imagination would have limited But my faith has said, wait a minute, if God said that he can do beyond what you could think or imagine, let's give God some room to work here. For Paul, even though he was confined in a small small space and the people were concerned and they were somehow saying, well, I don't know if if what, you know, Paul's in prison. He said, look, I may be confined to a small space, but I can bow my knees before the Father from whom the whole family in heaven and earth derives its name. And by bowing, I can pray that God, the same power that God released through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, would be released over your life. And that we could experience in that moment, because even though Paul was confined in that space, his vision of God and his prayer life was not confined. And that, to me, is what opens up the whole understanding of the nature of the ability and power and the glory of God. I'm telling you that we've seen some things and that... that would defy human uh, explanation, without a doubt. I, I was preaching in uh, Peru 
uh, at, an, at an outdoor event in the city plaza. And they came around and they said, we got to get the word out into these barrios and some of these areas here so that the people know what's going on because uh, we, how, how are we going to do that? They strap a speaker on top of, a, um, of this little car and they start playing, come to the Central Plaza tonight for services. Uh, the gospel is going to be preached and God's going to speak to your heart. I mean, I'm thinking, that's embarrassing to me. You know, I mean, I'm from the United States. I mean, couldn't you do something a little bit fancier, like radio or television or something like that? They got a speaker strapped on top of a car with somebody with a um, thing riding around saying that. We get to the place where the event's at, preach the message, give an invitation, People come forward and give their life to Jesus in front. I met a woman named Sister Samparo after the service. She's a sister now. She wasn't at that time. She came and gave her life. She's standing out front just tears streaming, pouring down her face. And in talking to her, she said, Tonight, this evening earlier, I have three children, three small children. My husband beats me and he beats the children. He's a bad alcoholic. And she said, I looked at my children and I couldn't take it anymore. So I walked out the door. I locked the door. And she said, I was walking to go down the street and I was going to step in front of a a truck and just take my life because I couldn't do it anymore and she saw all of a sudden I heard in the distance this speaker broadcasting something about services and she said I didn't know where um where that was at she said I know where the central plaza is at which is where we had the event and she said so something inside of me just moved me to come and she came and gave her life to Jesus last time we were down there this Last time we were down there, she's serving God in the church. Her husband, who is a wicked man who treated her and the kids, he got saved. He's in the church. What I'm saying to you is God is able to do things beyond what we could ever fathom or imagine. Debbie Hansen is sitting right there, and my wife is sitting right here. Both of them can testify to this I was in Valley de la Pascua. We were preaching the gospel out in the open air. One night, there were thousands of people out in the field, and I gave an invitation for couples to come and be prayed for because couples in that area were having a lot of problems, marital problems and issues. So I said, you know what, we, Cindy and I just want to pray over your marriage and pray for you. So we gave the invitation, and the couples came forward, and they were standing in front, and we just prayed for them and asked God to bless their marriage and bless their family and bless... I noticed that there was one older woman that was standing down there by herself with her hands lifted up just like this, just standing by herself. All of the couples are there, so it's obvious that, that she seems out of place. So after the service is over with, I asked one of the pastors, and they said, yeah, they call her name, and they said, her husband left her 38 years ago. 38 years ago her husband left her, and she has not stopped praying for him since then, that he would come back. He, she's got two daughters And she's been praying for him to come back for 38 years. Now, I want to tell you something, folks. If somebody left me for 38 years, I'd say, 
adios, I'm telling you right now, I would. Because when they came back, they would be worth little of nothing. I'm going to tell you that right now. But she said, when you gave the invitation, I came down to pray, and I was just praying and saying, God, I've been praying and asking you for this for so long, and I'm just believing that he's going to come home. I mean, this is this woman. Am I telling the truth, Cindy? So the pastors told me about it. They, they, they told me what church she was in. Well, that eve, she, she came up to me after it was over, and she said, I think uh, that that by Sunday, when we were going to have a big gathering of all the churches in that area, that he's going to come home. I said, okay. I mean, I had no faith. I didn't know. I mean, I would you know, I had, I, you, I was a preacher, so I had to say, you know what? Way to go. I believe that too. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I no more believe that than I believe that I was going to sprout wings and fly. Okay. But the woman believed it. She believed it. And she stood on it. Well, that morning, we had a, two days later on Sunday morning, we had a gathering of all of the churches from the area in this big warehouse. And so, uh, before I went up to preach, she came up to me and she said, you're not going to believe it. He came home last night. I said, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> I mean, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. <laughs> and she said, I'm serious. And I called some of the pastors over and I said, tell me, tell me, is she, and they said, she's telling the truth. And she said, not only that, but I've invited him to the meeting tonight because we were going back out into the open field tonight. She said, I've invited him to come tonight and I believe he's going to give his life to Jesus. We go, we have the service, we go home. Cindy and I come to the field that night. As soon as we got out of the car, as soon as we got out of the car, her, she had her pastor by the arm and she came over to us and she said, I want you to meet him. I want you to meet him. She said, he's here. He came tonight. I walk over to him and he's sitting up in the front. And I'm telling you, the guy looked like he had pitched a pup tent in the devil's backyard for the last 30 years. I'm not kidding. And smelled like it too. She sat beside him. We went through the service. When the invitation was given, he was one of the first ones to get up and come to the front with tears streaming down his face, standing there in the front asking God's forgiveness for the sins of his life. God is able to do far above whatever you may think or imagine. God is able. Even for this church, I don't know what, your, what kind of ceiling that you have put on God or limitations that you put on God because something, whatever. Listen to me. There is nothing too difficult for Him. And it's time for the church to clear away the debris from the face of Jesus because the Scripture says we can see the light of the glory of God that shines in the face of Jesus. And that is what the world is looking for. The world is looking. They may be looking in a lot of different places, but what they long for and desire is what you and I as God's people in the house of God have and that is an understanding of who Jesus is. This is the glory of God that shines in the face of Jesus who gave his life for us. And Paul's praying that we would be filled with all the fullness of God. Filled with the fullness of God. That the fullness of God would rest upon us. And that we wouldn't be so easily satisfied, but that we would believe God for even greater things in the day in which we live in. And I want to say this. I'm not saying it prophetically. I'm saying it 
because I believe it with all of my heart, that unless there is a visitation from God to our nation in the coming years, we are going to be in trouble. I'm going to tell you that right now. I'm saying that because I believe that. We ministered in Venezuela for years and years and years and preached the gospel from one end to the other. And then just like that, just like that, that nation fell and has gone through one of the most horrific experiences that any nation could ever go through. And still, many of the people who gave their life to Christ in the crusades and the events and the places where we preached, they're holding on to God because that's all that they can hold on to as the whole place was shaken. The whole nation was shaken. And it is the church there that is offering hope to these broken people. The church. And it's going to be the church in our day. But we have to believe God for things that are greater than just whatever it is that we may be dealing with at any particular moment. And it is always a vision of God, that, 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 uh, the greatness and the glory of God that brings us out of that place where we are just simply have nothing to offer anyone. And the world that we live in, I, I'm not speaking for Glenville, I'm speaking for Savannah and for Isle of Hope, they need more than a bulletin or they need more than... than they, they need a touch from God. They need a touch from the hand of God. We've got young people right around where we live. Many of them connected to our church who are wrestling with drugs that are, and, and dealing with issues and problems and challenges that are beyond anything that, that I could ever have fathomed if I was that age. And you may not have any problems like that in Tattnall County. And I'm not saying that you do. But if you don't, pray for Savannah because we have lots of problems there. And I'm tired of seeing the devil drink, drag their, our children, our young people away one at a time. And what are we going to do about it as a church? Are we just going to sit by and let it happen? Or are we going to stand in the power that God has promised us and rise up in the strength that He has given us through faith in Christ and the full measure of God? And as Paul says, let the power of God that is in and through the resurrection of Jesus fill us to the point where we can have something to offer them. Not to criticize and judge them, but to offer them a way of redemption, a way of salvation, a way of hope out of the whatever it is that has them in bondage or captivity or anyone else for that matter. Are you all with me? I know this is a hit and run message because I'm leaving tonight to go back. But I want to tell you the truth. Are you okay with that? It is the prayer that Paul offered. And listen, you need to keep praying. Man, what y'all are doing through the prayer room, Jim, just bless my heart so much. I'm telling you right now. You know, this man, your pastor needs people to gather around him and pray for him. Because when the devil comes knocking, he always looks for those who are on the front lines of ministry. Listen to me. He's always looking to pick off the ones who are on the front lines and those who are providing leadership and, and guidance and direction for God's church. He's always looking for the shepherds. And so you as God's church can be, uh, and, and God's people can be a line of defense for what God wants to do in and through the light. I'm taking liberty, Pastor Jim. I hope you don't mind me doing this. But I'm, I'm tired of seeing pastors and others just be, be 
do you know how many pastors are leaving the ministry today? By the droves. Because of the pressures and the challenges. And to have a church like you who loves your pastor, I can't even begin to tell you what that looks like and how, how that blesses me. Just to see that blesses me. And I pray that the vision that God has for this church would, would not just be for the congregation, you feeling like you have to pull this off in your own strength, because you don't. It is all about the power of God that He makes available to us through the presence of His Spirit as the Holy Spirit is given freedom to work among us and in us and through us. I'm not just talking about um, experiences. I'm talking about the presence and power of God. Listen to what Paul says. I'm going to read it again for you. I pray that out of His glorious riches He may strengthen you with power through His Spirit in your inner being. So that Christ can dwell in your hearts through faith. And I'm praying, he's kneeling in this cell, that you being rooted and established in love may have power. Look at how many times he talks about the power of God. And if the church needed anything today, it needs the power of God to do the work that we've been called to do. May have power together with all of the saints to grasp just how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses human knowledge so that you can be filled to the fullest measure of the fullness of God. Man, do I want that. To Him who's able to do immeasurably more than we could ask or think. To him who is able. Adam and I, my son, I took him to Senegal, West Africa with me. I was invited to, to teach in a Bible school that they started. There's only, there's 94% of the people who live in Senegal are Muslims. Was, the Christian population in Senegal is 4% or less. And by the way, our brother Kenneth, is that his name here? Richard. Brother Richard from Sierra Leone a missionary that you have in, in your congregation, no wonder God's blessing you the way He has and He will continue. I thank God for servants of the Lord like this. I'm telling you, there in Senegal, we went up to the uh, lighthouse. Uh, the, the, the brother from Nigeria that was there who started the Bible school took Adam and I up to the lighthouse. He said, I just want you to see, this is a very famous lighthouse. Senegal is the westernmost part of Africa. It was the last jumping off place for, for people whenever they got on the boats and that horrific and horrible thing when slaves were put on the boats, they were there. We saw Gory Island, which is one of the most hor horrible places that, on the face of the earth. We went up to the top of the, the, uh, the lighthouse that stood there on the western shore of Senegal. And the brother took us around and he said, you see this, up there now they have like some little small uh, LED bulb or something. I don't know what it is. It's probably not LED, but I don't know any, how all that works. But it's some small bulb. He said, let me show you this. He said, look at this over here. Over in the corner in some like a historical section, they had the original bulb that was up there. The thing was this big around. It was massive light bulb. Light bulb. Big old gigantic light bulb. 
And it was stuck over in the corner with a little plaque on it. Little plaque. They said, at one time, this was the bulb that rested in the lighthouse that gave safe passage to the uh, sailors who would come and they would be rescued from the sea. And now, it's in a museum, this light. God never called the church to be a museum, did He? He said, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. This church has got a light to shine for this community of Tatno County and Glenville. And God is going to work through you. I feel it in my heart. You got a, the, it's the right pastor at the right church at the right time. And I believe God's going to do great and glorious things. Don't ever think, ever think that God is going to be satisfied for the church to be relegated to a museum where the light that once rescued people. Listen, the best days of this church are not behind you. They're out there. Can somebody say amen? They're out there. You know why? Because there are people around here who need what you have. They need the same Christ that you have in your heart. And Paul the Apostle prayed for the church to rise up in the power and in the strength of the resurrection of Jesus and be God's witnesses in the world. And that, it doesn't matter if it's in Africa or in India or in Guatemala or in Peru. All of us who are a part of the kingdom of God cannot be satisfied to be put on a shelf. And I don't care how old you are. Listen to me. Those of you who are getting old like me, you can't use the excuse, well, I'm just too old to do... No. You know why? Because everybody can pray. You may not be able to sing like the Bland family or preach like Jim. But every single person in here can pray. I guarantee you. Everybody in here can pray. And Paul the Apostle was locked away in a little prison area, confined in a... geographically speaking to a small area but his prayers reached the world for the glory of God and there are missionaries that are out on the field now doing what they're doing because somebody's praying for them right back here in the U.S. you hear me and the only reason we can do anything is not because we are something it's because God's people are praying for us to be faithful on the field so this is what I'm asking you I'm daring you. I double-dog dare you. You put your name down on a piece of paper and you, you say, Pastor Jim, I'm going to make a commitment to be a part of a prayer band, a prayer team. I want, I, you can count on me to pray for you and for this church and for this community that God would use us to make an impact and a difference. Tell him. And then after that, tell him you're going to pray for us. Because... The same difference that, that the prayers of Paul made on the church of his day, your prayers, again, you may not be able to do some of the great things or teach like some wonderful Sunday school teacher or do that, but everybody in here, listen to me, can pray. Am I right? I've gone to nursing homes where great saints of God who served the Lord at one time in their life were faithful in the church, and they would, they would give anything if they could be seated where you are right now. But they can't because they're confined by their physical body to a bed. But you know what? Their prayers touch heaven. 
their prayers touch heaven right from the bed where they're lying and I can think of two of them right now that if I walk anywhere close to where their room is you can hear them oh Jesus Lord thank you so much for what you're doing thank you God I'm praying Lord just bless them take care of them watch over them God help them through the challenges and struggles that they're going through Lord you show them that you have the power to help and these are people who are confined by their physical bodies into a bed and I'm going to tell the Lord I can't pray Everybody can pray. And guess what? There is no greater ministry that you, this church could ever raise up than a group of prayer bands and warriors. I'm telling you right now. I'm telling you. We have a prayer warrior with us tonight. She's been here. Every, her and her husband have been here. I'm telling you, if... if um, if Susan Knox had not been a part of our ministry praying for us, praying for us. I don't know what we would have done. Fasting. God is going to do some great things through this church. I just, I feel it in my heart and feel it in my spirit. I'm so glad. Jim, I told the staff at Isle of Hope today, I said, you know, I, I've been with Jim the last two nights. And I said, the people in the church where he's at just blessed me so much. And I said, he and Amanda are just having a wonderful ministry and time. I can't, I'm excited about what God is going to do through this church. I am, and already is. And I'm believing that He's going to raise up servants and ministers, maybe missionaries and others that will touch the world. Because people prayed in Baxley, there's people who are serving God, I don't know how many right now, and minister, and my son is a pastor of a church because of the prayer life of the people some of which you met last night and are here tonight. There are people, young people, who are serving God in many places because of that little church. And you can't say that little church because the church, when God is in it, there ain't nothing little about it, is it? Father, thank you. I feel your presence in this place right this very moment. I feel Jesus. And you said where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, there is freedom. And God, I know if this church right now in this moment is like every other church, some of us here have come out of duty or responsibility to support the church and the ministry. And I'm grateful for that, God. Some may have come hungry because they, they need something from you. Some have come, God, because only you know what they are dealing with and struggling with in their heart or in their life. And somehow, some way, there's, there's been a longing that maybe you would speak to that area. 
Some are here, God, because they need, honestly, they need a, a touch from your hand because maybe they're going through something physically and they want to believe. They want to believe. And Lord, I'm just asking you to help, like the, the man who said, Lord, I, I want to believe, help my unbelief. And you helped him, Lord. So tonight, God, whatever the need is of your people, I'm asking that you would encourage all of us to just take a step in the direction of the more fullness of what you want for us as your children, God. Lord, you want us to be filled to the fullest measure of Christ. And if there's any room in any of our life for that to happen, then help us not leave here without at least saying, Lord, just fill me. Just fill me. I open my life up to you. I want to be a part of what you're going to do. I want to see your hand at work. I want to see people touched and healed and saved and changed right here in Tattano County. In my own family. Whatever it is, God, you are able. That's what your word says. You are able to do far above whatever it is that we think or imagine. So, Lord, in the quietness of this moment in this the sacredness of this sanctuary in the presence of a living God minister to your people Lord minister to your people minister to your people Father now this is what we're going to do If you're here tonight, uh, Jim said that there's some oil back here on the back. Um, just as a point of contact, we want to be obedient to God's Word. It says in James, if there are any sick among you, let them call for the elders of the church and let them anoint them with oil. And the prayer of faith shall raise them up. I believe that because I've seen God heal people. I've seen God heal people. I mean profoundly heal people. And I believe that the same God who touches people in other places is able to touch someone's life tonight. So no matter what it is, if you're struggling physically, emotionally, some other area maybe is, is struggling, I'm going to ask Pastor Jim to come. And we want to just anoint you as a point of contact. It requ Faith is what moves the hand of God. It moves the heart of God. So I'm going to ask you to come. If you, if you feel so led... Okay, you just get up from where you are and as an act of faith, say, God, touch me and fill me. I just open my life up to you now to do in me whatever it is that you want. You know my need. Heal me, Lord. Forgive me. Strengthen me. Would you stand as we sing, please?